1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com
2: slash style. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast. So you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe.
3: Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
2: Let's talk about all of this now with the Business Secretary, Alok Sharma, who joins us. Good morning to you.
3: Good morning.
2: Good morning. Um, very, very positive message from the Prime Minister yesterday, both in the Commons and in the Downing Street briefing. Lockdown is almost over uh, in England, at least from the 4th of July. Um, why do you believe, though, that Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland don't think it's safe to lockdown uh, with the same apparent medical and scientific advice from SAGE uh, as in the, the, the Westminster government has had?
4: Well, you know, obviously uh, different uh, nations are moving at different paces, Julia, uh, but we're all going in the same direction. Uh, you'll have heard the, uh, the announcement in Scotland in terms of schools opening in, in, in August. Uh, so we're all going down the same road. Uh, I think the key thing is uh, that we are doing this uh, in England in a cautious and balanced way. Uh, and, uh, you know, you were just saying, uh, you know, the question now is about going out spend, spend, spend. Of course, we want people to go out and and, and spend. We want the economy to revive. Uh, We want to make sure that the businesses that uh, we have required to be closed since the 23rd of March are able to flourish again. But what's also really important is we do this in a safe way. And that's why we've published the guidelines that we've done, the guidance that we've worked on with businesses, with trade unions, to make sure that businesses keep not only their workers but also their customers safe. Uh, And it is also why we are opening up the economy in a very sort of cautious and balanced manner, uh, taking deliberate steps rather than giant leaps.
2: Well, that's one of the concerns, isn't it? That it's not quite as cautious as it should be, um, and it's it's it is taking a giant leap. And we've had an open letter to the British Medical Journal from pretty much all of the presidents of the Royal Colleges of of, of you know surgeons, nursing, physicians, and GPs, all warning that uh, there is a substantial challenge remaining, and a second wave is a real risk. And the concern being that we're not seeing you know pubs reopening and pub restaurants on one day, and then you know, uh, other other institutions on another day. We're seeing a real mass reopening, which many are welcoming according to the SNAP surveys from the public, but means that you won't be able to identify, if there is a second wave, where it's come from, and we'll have to go back into a full second lockdown.
4: Yeah, what would you nobody wants us to to go back to a, a second lockdown. I think that would be a huge dent in terms of public confidence, in terms of business confidence. Uh, but of course, you know, if people continue to follow the rules and show the common sense they've done uh, uh, so far, then of course we will continue to be able to meet our five tests, we we'll continue to keep our rate below one and we can reopen uh, in a very phased way uh, in other parts of our, our economy. But, you know, you're talking about how do you identify local flare ups. Well, one of the things that we are going to be asking uh, um, you know, pubs, restaurants, uh, hairdressers to do is uh, to record details of people who come into those establishments. In many of these cases, it will be happening anyway. You know, if you book a, a, a haircut or if you book a, a table in restaurants, Though that information will already be recorded and I'm going to be working later on this week uh, together with the sector and with trade unions to make sure that we uh, record this information in a very practical way uh, whilst of course making sure that we observe all data protection rules as well.
2: Um, And uh, what about the concerns uh, raised by just a few moments ago, my previous guest, uh, Andy Burnham, the former mayor of Greater, sorry, the mayor of Greater Manchester and (laughs) former health secretary, um, that actually the government has veered onto the side of risk, not caution, in particular, the issue of reopening all the pubs and restaurants on a Saturday. Now, it's going to be a great day out. The question is, is uh, two or three weeks later, are we going to live to regret that great day?
4: Well, look, I, I, as I, I get back to this point about the fact that um, as we have reopened the economy, uh, we have not seen a, a flare up. And we've done this in a very, very, very phased manner. We started off with garden centres, then we moved to outdoor markets and to car showrooms. Then on the 15th of this month, we moved to uh, what we describe as non essential retail, clothes shops, et cetera. And now from the 4th, uh, there will be a further reopening of the economy. So we've done this in a very phased way. Uh, and people have shown common sense. And uh, I very much hope that's what they continue to do. And that's how we will ensure that there is isn't the second peak.
2: With all due respect, though, most people, maybe not all, but most people aren't drinking copiously at a garden centre or while they're queuing at a shop. It's rather easier to maintain social distance, whether it's two metres or one metre plus, uh, when you're in those situations than when you've, you know, a few pints in, a bottle of wine in.
4: Well, um, I mean, I understand that particular point. But, of course, uh, it is also the case that, you know, before the lockdown, if you went to a pub or a restaurant or a bar, uh, you know, the vast majority of people are behaving in a perfectly reasonable fashion. And that's precisely what will happen again. And, you know, you you also have to think, Julia, that this this is an issue of, of, uh, you know, uh, people responding to how others around them are behaving. So uh, this weekend I went to shops in my own constituency, uh, you know people were uh you know queuing outside in a very orderly fashion they weren't being told to do it uh that's they, read the guidelines that were showing common sense uh small shops that uh you know you went into they were only allowing individual households in so people are observing these rules and i give huge credit uh, to people for for you know why we have been able to open up the economy but i said we just need people to f- continue to follow the guidelines continue to follow the rules because the last thing that we want is to go back into lockdown that wouldn't be good news for individuals that wouldn't be good news for businesses
2: okay, the- the prime minister yesterday made it clear that uh, he would, you know, wouldn't hesitate to to reintroduce measures of the lockdown either locally or, if necessary, nationally, if that was needed to avoid a second wave. We're going to, we know that there are going to be local spikes. That's happened everywhere uh, that has experienced coronavirus. Uh, but what about the concern, though? This is something again. Andy Burnham said a few moments ago that the government has effectively handed management of the crisis from central government to local government, but local government doesn't have the funds to handle handle it. He reckons that local government is short some three hundred and sixty-eight million pounds in terms of what they need to keep people safe and keep local businesses safe um, what do you say to that
4: well what i say is that you know of course the government is is making decisions we talk about uh, uh you know funding so one of the the issues that always comes up is you know if uh, for instance uh, businesses uh, are not acting as they should according to the guidelines and making sure that uh, their premises are COVID secure uh, what happens we've made sure there's more money available for the health and safety executive they're going to be doing spot checks but this goes back to the point of you know how people are actually behaving so you have to look at how since we uh, you know very slowly started opening up the economy from may how people have behaved and they have behaved in a responsible manner it's why we've continued to meet these uh, five tests that we set uh, some months ago it's why the r rate has continued to be below 1 uh, and uh, you know I, I i personally trust the british public i trust that they will continue to show good sense
3: online On DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Across the UK, online on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio.
2: We'll talk to virology expert Dr Simon Clark about uh, uh, all of these lockdown easing measures, uh, and uh, also uh, going to be talking uh, to the chief executive of the British Beer and Pub Association about how pubs are going to manage this reopening. Is it going to feel like going to the pub used to feel like? And the ongoing row over the Burnley White Lives Matter banner as well. First up, though, let's talk about that relaxation of the lockdown. It must be really crucial. In England only, it's not easing in terms of the two metre rule or any of the other lockdown measures in uh, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. But across across England from July the 4th, Independence Day, as it's been dubbed, things are going to change a lot. Well, let's talk to Conservative MP and former Business Secretary Andrea Leadsom about this. Good morning to you. Good morning, nice. Julia. Good morning. Oh, good, we got you on the line. Lovely. Um, now, I'm just wondering, um, lots of people are very much in favour of the lockdown being eased, getting our economy back on track. But there's also a lot of people who are in favour of that, who are concerned that doing this all in one go, pubs, bars, restaurants, households meeting, hotels, hairdressers, cinemas, all of this stuff reopening at the same time and doing it on a Saturday in the sunshine might be a bit too much. Do you think the government has actually gone a bit too far, a bit too quickly with too many measures?
1: I think the government set out clearly at the beginning the five tests that had to be met. And it's fantastic that thanks to the hard work of everybody, actually, in social distancing, staying home and all the rest of it, that we have now reached a point where we can start to ease the lockdown. But also, you know, the Prime Minister was saying it is not gone away and therefore all of us need to be very responsible, very vigilant. So whilst the opportunities will be there to, Get out there the, to enjoy the sunshine a bit more, to get back to a bit more normal life. At the same time, we've all got to continue to wash our hands, to stay at least a meter away from other people, and to keep being vigilant. And you know, I think people get that now. So yes, there will be some people who are nervous, but I think for a lot of people, the prospect of a haircut and a pint outside in a pub garden is going to be a fantastic one.
2: Don't I can hear? I can actually <laughs> hear people salivating just listening to your words. There. Exactly. I mean, this is the interesting thing. Isn't it? Even though you know the shops reopened a week, you know more than a week ago, they've still got footfall, you know, something like less than forty percent of what they they would normally be expecting. And you know, of course, they've had huge losses over the three months of lockdown. The um, YouGov Snap survey last night, after the government's announcements, found forty-seven percent think that what the government is doing to ease lockdown is about right. Thirty-seven percent say it's going too far. Seven percent say not far enough. We know there are a lot lot of people on your Tory backbenches who feel that it's not far enough. But it may well be the case that actually the A lot of people want to go out. They're going to go to the pub, go to restaurants, try and book a holiday. But it does appear there are millions of people who really don't feel it's safe to come out of their homes. What should the government do about that?
1: I think it's totally understandable that a lot of people feel nervous, you know, Every death in this virus has been an absolute tragedy, and a lot of people have lost a loved one or know somebody who's suffered very badly from this. So it's understandable that people feel nervous about it. And what's going to be key to this is the reams of government advice, which has been made available to businesses so that they then can be completely clear about how to open safely And to get people back in so it's going to take a bit of time i think for confidence to come back but once people do venture out into a shop as i did myself last saturday to see the fantastic um, steps that businesses have taken to keep people safe they've got hand sanitizer at the tills they've got perspect screens. Some of the staff have face masks on. They've got new measures in place to even quarantine uh, uh, you know, products if you've got too close to them. So I think um, businesses are taking it very seriously and people can feel safe.
2: Um, In terms of the figures we had out from the uh, Office for National Statistics yesterday on the furlough scheme and the help for uh, self-employed people, we are looking at huge, huge sums of money uh, that are are going on keeping people in in jobs, those job support schemes, nearly 12 million people, a cost so far of more than £30 billion. It's vastly in excess of anything that the Chancellor Rishi Sunak uh, thought it would be in terms of the number of people and the cost. Um, It's going to change in August. What is your prediction as a former business secretary? What is your prediction and what is your best guess of, of of how many of those jobs actually, once the photo scheme ends, no longer exist?
1: I think the support package has been almost unprecedented around the world, so it has been fantastic. Loads of businesses in my patch of told me that without it, they really would have gone to the wall. So it's been incredibly valuable. But it is businesses who are the job creators and the entrepreneurs. And I do think that the Chancellor in his budget, if he is going to do a a summer budget, will need to provide the carrot um, and the stick to get entrepreneurs back up and running, to get them thinking about reopening and, and, and easing off that um, government intervention. Clearly, the economy needs the wealth creators back in it. So we need to be looking at a package of incentives but also some penalties for leaving your staff on furlough for too long when you could actually be up and running with your marketing, with your new investments, with your new product lines and even with new ways of working. So I think that that balance is going to be really important.
2: Um, and uh, can I ask also about some of the the medical criticism of the decision by the government? Um, uh, we've had not only the uh, former chief uh, scientific advisor, Sir David King, he leads that alternative SAGE uh, committee uh, which they set up. and He said the lockdown easing is extremely... Extraordinarily risky. We've also had an open letter in the British Medical Journal uh, written by presidents of the Royal Colleges of Surgeons, Nursing, Physicians and GPs all warning that a second wave is a real risk and substantial uh, challenges remain. Um, Are you at all concerned that, yeah, government's got to worry about the economy, but there's a lot of pressure from business and from backbench MPs and the Tory benches uh, to get the economy removing, but that actually the government is taking too big a risk with the nation's health
1: it's not about health versus economy Uh, the fact is that if we stay in lockdown that has big consequences too for people's mental health for um, their own livelihoods and that in itself has a profound effect on some people's health. So it has got to be a balance and as the Prime Minister said in the Chamber yesterday, everybody needs to remain vigilant. The virus hasn't gone away, we've got the reinfection rate now to a point where we can safely start to reopen things and I, I certainly think, you know, as you said yourself, people are so excited about the prospect of the economy reopening, being able to get out and see friends and loved ones again. That actually is important for people's health too so that balance between all of us staying vigilant But actually being able to get some semblance of normality back in our lives is a really important balance to strike.
2: Okay, let's also talk about some other issues. Yesterday was the four year anniversary of the vote for Brexit. You were a leading uh, Brexiteer at the time and and, and since, obviously. Um, How confident are you of getting some sort of trade and tariff deal or no tariff deal with uh, the EU? And how crucial do you think it is that we do get that deal?
1: It's clearly in our interests and their interests that we continue to trade freely and openly as we have done. And so I do believe that the EU, no matter some of the occasional saber rattling, will want to strike a good deal with the UK. So, yes, I remain confident that we'll be able to do that. But at the same time, uh, the advantages for the UK in being able to strike free trade deals with the rest of the world in much faster time than the EU is able to do is going to be a huge benefit to the UK. So I remain very, very positive and optimistic about the prospects for the UK at the end of this year when the withdrawal agreement um, transition period comes to an end.
2: Okay, I must also ask you, as a former leader of the House of Commons, uh, the introduction in the uh, uh, the comments of an independent complaints procedure uh, coming in. It's more than 18 months since that independent inquiry by Dame Laura Cox revealed the scale of sexual harassment, bullying and intimidation in Westminster uh, and uh, Dame Laura Cox has said the vast majority of abuse was targeted at women um, and uh, called for action to be taken. Um, this was basically, nothing happened as a result uh, of that report, partly down to uh, John Bercow, the former Commons speaker. Do you well welcome the decision to uh, have an independent complaints procedure?
1: Yes. I I, I mean, I I introduced the independent complaints procedure to Parliament. What this bit of it is, is the sanctioning body against MPs only. So this is, if you like, the sort of final piece of the jigsaw puzzle that introduces the concept of an independent, Um, body that will look at complaints of bullying and sexual harassment against MPs. So the independent complaints procedure is there for all staff, everybody who works or visits the House of Commons or the House of Lords. But this independent panel will just look at MPs who are accused. And what was very important yesterday was that I and a number of other colleagues felt that it could not be right that once that independent panel makes its findings known that there should then be a debate, even only on process in the chamber, because a fundamental part of the independent procedure that I introduced was that we would protect the confidentiality of victims. And for those who had been closely involved with it, they felt a debate in the chamber, even if it didn't name them, would inevitably be that Member of Parliament being sort of praised um, by their colleagues and so on and so on. And it would lead to much greater distress for the victims. So, you, so are you, are you glad really that glad.
2: Your, your your successor, Jacob Rees-Mogg, of the Commons, are you glad he lost that vote to, to allow MPs to debate?
1: Yeah, I I I voted that we should not okay. have a debate. So yes, I'm. I think that's the right thing to do. But um, I also think Jacob's doing the right thing in introducing that independent panel.
2: Okay, and just finally, and we've got that new speaker obviously in place, Sir Lindsay Hoyle. Um, do you think the culture of the House of Commons has changed since he's been in the chair, rather than someone who was really your nemesis, wasn't he, uh, John Burke?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that the the new speaker is doing a fantastic job, but also, of course, um, parliament has changed significantly because there's now a strong majority for the government. So um, when I was leader of the Commons, we were in a hung parliament, which makes for a very different atmosphere anyway. Um, But equally, Lindsay is a very sort of calm and measured individual, and he likes to ensure that there's a good atmosphere in the chamber, which I think is really important.
0: It's that time of the year.
3: On DAV and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
2: Let's talk to the Mayor of Greater Manchester and former Labour Health Secretary, of course, Andy Burnham, who joins us now. Good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Good morning. Julia. Um,
2: do you welcome the lockdown easing that was announced by the Prime Minister?
3: Um, it's a difficult one for the reasons just given. I think the Prime Minister had a difficult balance to strike. I think he's just come down on the side of risk rather than caution so i would say just come down on the wrong side of the line from my own point of view uh i'll give you a couple of examples julia i think the idea of opening it all on a saturday i think as you said at the start doesn't seem to me to be a good idea i certainly know local councils and police won't won't think that's a wise thing to do and on the two meter rule i you know i understand the call to, uh, to to relax it a little but it could have been clearer i would say uh for instance two meters and, and and if you're not uh, wearing a mask uh, you know don't go any less than two meters uh, you know something much more direct I would have said was needed on that instead it's a bit nuanced and I'm not sure that's going to work in in practice and, the, and then yeah. just lastly scrapping the daily briefings I think people need more regional and local information not less so I'd have I'd have had Chris Whitty and scientist-led briefings just providing more factual information from here on in. And I think that would have been helpful.
2: Yes, I mean, to a certain extent, we, we should welcome not seeing Chris Whitty and Patrick Balance again, because that would mean things have gone well. Uh, but if we do see much more of them, that means things have gone very badly. Um, it's interesting, a YouGov snap poll yesterday, a survey found that 47% of people support the measures announced by the government as about right, 37% saying it's going too far, 7% saying not far enough. There was broad support. And there's an element where the government is kind of chasing the public anyway. We've seen pubs to all intents and purposes, those who've got some outdoor space, almost sort of effectively reopening anyway by doing, you know, off-license sales and people standing around. A lot of people are kind of already bubbling with other households. Uh, a lot of the measures that are announced are, are things that are pretty much already happening. Is there an element where, as, as we know that SAGE advisors had told the government back in February and March, that actually people will only put up with a lockdown for so long, and unless you are going to be threatening people with prison, you know, down the barrel of a gun, people are going to kind of go about their own business eventually and the government's not really got much choice
3: i get that uh, julia and i get the uh, impatience people are feeling and as i said at the start it's a a difficult balance i don't really envy the government you know there's a tough line to walk here but i think they've just come down on the side of the economy rather than health would be my judgment on what we heard yesterday and particularly that's illustrated in this super saturday i just don't think that is a is a good idea they should have staggered uh, the, the reopening, just to make it uh, make it safer and more manageable for, um, for public authorities. And, and I would say, you know, look at the R number. It's rising across, uh, across the country. You know, we, we, we just now need to ensure that, that we handle this properly going forward. I think effectively what the government did yesterday is they kind of handed the management of the crisis from national government to local government. But local government currently doesn't have the resources properly to, to, to deal with it. We're we're putting figures out today which show that the Greater Manchester ten councils and and the bodies that run our transport are around 400 million pounds short this financial year. So, yeah, there are real risks here, and the government could mitigate those risks by you know committing to councils that they'll have the funding that they need. You know, keeping daily briefings going, if if albeit more factual, clarifying that two metre rule. I would say stay two metres unless you're wearing a mask. Yeah. And that, that, for me, would be a clearer a clearer position to yes. take. So
2: yeah, the that, one the one metre plus thing, again, I, we, a lot of people, I think, I mean, we've been saying all week, one metre plus does not mean one metre plus 20 centimetres. It means one metre plus some other mitigating factor. You cannot go within two metres unless you are doing something else that exactly. would keep you more safe. I, look, I wouldn't agree with you. it have
3: been better expressed in that way, though, Julia? You know, yeah. two metres unless you're wearing a mask. I mean, I think... The British Medical Association got that got that right. They were talking for much clearer guidance on on masks, and I I would probably endorse that.
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would agree that again, it is a little bit too nuanced, it is a little bit confused. However, we know that it, we're not just talking about health risks here, and this is the key thing when you're in government. To government is to choose, is to make decisions easy for uh, any medic. And we've seen this uh, open letter to the British Medical Journal from pretty much all the Royal Colleges, including that of surgeons and GPs, saying, "Look, you know, we're warning that a second wave." is a real risk that that actually anyone giving the scientific medical advice doesn't have to live with the um, the negative effects of mitigate you know so sort of minimizing uh, yep. the the medical risk. We we can have zero risk. We can all stay in our homes for the next two years, and no one's going to catch coronavirus, uh, and, and we'll we'll just we'll we'll just we'll, we'll be fine on that front. And then we'll have tens and tens of thousands of people dying of cancer as a result, mental health issues, children losing two years of education, and our economy completely tanked, and we may well lose many, many, many hundreds of thousands of people more as a result at far younger ages, bearing in mind the vast number of people dying from this disease have been in their 80s plus. Um, I'm not saying those lives aren't worthwhile, but I'm sorry, I would, ra- I would rather an 80 year old than a 30 year old died. I would. Um, that's as simple as that. Um, is it, is it it's really easy to criticise any easing of the lockdown when actually you don't have to live with the consequences of us not easing the lockdown.
3: Well, I, I do have to deal with the consequences. So, you know, I, I, I do have to think about these things, Julie. But no, I'm not on here to, to, to uh, you know, just just sort of pointlessly criticise the government. It's a very difficult balance to strike. And all of the arguments you just made are completely valid. And, and that's what they've been weighing up, haven't they, over the last uh, few weeks. I just feel they've come down on the, the wrong side of the line, as I say, on the side of the economy rather than, rather than health. That, that would be my take on it. However, that said, <clears throat> I, I can see why they've come to the judgments that they have. Or I'm saying to you this morning, there are things that could be done to make their own position safer than it currently is. Don't open
2: Oh goodness me, we just we've just lost.
3: Don't open, it. It. Don't open everything on a Saturday. Clarify the two meters and just give councils confidence that they're gonna have the funds to manage local outbreaks. I think local spikes, Julia, are more likely as a result of the changes announced yesterday. And so if that is the case, resource people properly at a local level to deal with those things.
2: Okay. and how much extra cash in total would it require?
3: Well, as I say, we've done a a very, very careful evidence gathering across our our system. This is not shroud waving. We're £368 million short. So that's basically what councils expected to have in their budgets this year. It's now down by a massive amount. And, you know, they're going to be now picking up the, the job of managing local outbreaks and managing public transport in this this difficult environment. So, you know, as I say, I'm not saying the government has completely got this wrong. I would have done something slightly different myself. But given we are where we are, There are things that could be done here just to manage the risk. And I would appeal to them to do those things. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio.
2: Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10.